Here the old gods are dead. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Were you vaping or were you taking a deep breath out of, like, anxiety? <laughs> no, I was vaping. Actually, that's what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about, like, so the day, like, I got him through work and I drove the day and then, like, went to shut my car door and I noticed that my jewel was sat on my seat. <laughs> and it kind of occurred to me that if you can they like, scenarios where it's like, oh, a child's trapped in a car and a mum would be able to, like, tip it or whatever, like, adrenaline. I'm like, I would go back into a burning car for this stupid fucking device. <laughs> oh, and it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. It does sound like it. Like, I've had, like, the worst, like, chest and throat infection ever and you can, like, really hear the water in my lungs now. It's just, like... The cr- the cognitive dissonance in that like thirty <laughs> seconds was crazy. I wish the, I gave a fuck. <laughs> going into a burning building for your jewel and then complaining about your chest infection like that was wild. <laughs> yeah, it's your own personal ambrosia, so you can't stop. Nomi was gonna stop again, and I was like, "Well, I'm not, so she's not." <laughs> so I suppose I'm putting her back in a way. That's so bad. <laughs> I don't care. I, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Well, I don't drink enough for it to be considered a vice. Um, yeah. So I need my silly little jewel in my TikTok addiction that ca- I can't get out of bed in the morning because I'm watching my silly wee videos. TikTok addiction is so bad. Like, I go through phases of not using TikTok at all. And then, like, now my. <laughs> so I used to have, like, a really unhinged uh, for you page. But now it's like those fucking Reddit Am I the Asshole videos with, like, the subway surfer in the background. And they know how to <laughs> trap you. They know. <laughs> like, I think when we spoke about this once, I was like, I'm going to start putting clips of the podcast air videos of Subway Surfers just to see what arms. <laughs> so, like, it's crazy that it works every time. Name a better duo. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spoke a bit this with you. Like, we seen each other. We went to the Edinburgh Vaults uh, at mm-hmm. the weekend. So we're recording this episode a bit later. Um, and I was thinking, like... 
because I can't, I actually can't get Mary Queen of Scots in my head now. Like, <laughs> like this is it. Like, we're not going to do an episode better than the Mary Queen of Scots episodes because she's all I know. We peaked too soon. Like, that was, like, we should have saved all of that for the 50th. Like, it was so yeah. good. Yeah. But I was, I've genuinely got to the point now where I'm like, oh, you never see, like, <laughs> When did smiling in pictures become a thing? Because obviously there's no portraits of like royal smiling. And then I was like, Oh, yeah. I wonder what Mary Queen of Scots' teeth looked like. <laughs> Would she have needed braces? And then I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> no, I doubt it. No, by all accounts, was fit as fuck. She was pretty. But I don't know. Did people think like a good smile was pretty back then? Ma- they must have. They must have. It's probably was in John it? Knox's diary somewhere, being like, "And she has perfect fucking teeth as well." That Catholic <laughs> slut. <laughs> His diary being Regina George's burn book. That's uh, crazy. You're so wet for Mary Queen of Scots. It's actually pathetic. <laughs> it's kind of like um how Piers Morgan acts about Meghan Markle is how John Knox acted about Mary Queen of Scots. Exactly the same. History repeating itself. That's crazy. It is. <laughs> I fucking hate that gun. I hate both of your guns. <laughs> I went to Stirling, well, I said before, but I went to Stirling Castle the other week and the the statue of John Knox, like, it's missing its hands. It doesn't have hands? No, but, well, it used to, but they've been broken off. Who broke them, did it say? I, I don't know. Have they even acknowledged the fact that it's handless? I don't think so. But I was like, that's odd. Was it you? That's where I was getting with it. Was it you? <laughs> um, I'm not a defender of the Catholic Church, so um, I just hate John Knox. Um, I was actually, this is relevant because like the way that the buses go into the bus station in Edinburgh, they go past the National Portrait Gallery and on the front of the building, it's all statues of men like William Wallace, uh, Robert the Bruce, John Knox, James the Fifth, James the Sixth, as well, and then like it's just all important men in Scottish history, whatever. And I was like, where the fuck are the women? Yeah, where is Mary de Guise? Where's where Mary Queenie Scott? Flora Macdonald. Where Where are the girls? Where are, where the, are the girls? Dolls? Um, and then if you like look around the corner, there is a statue of Mary Queenie Scott, but. Right. By her side is Lord Darnley and Lord Bothwell. And I was like, get, tear them down. Get them <laughs> off of there. Absolute cunts. Wait, why are they there? That's like, they're not even really relevant to the landscape of Scottish history other than being a footnote in Mary Queen of Scots thing. Literally, and one of them like assaulted her. They probably both did. Realistically, f- yeah. Flops and they've got statues. <laughs> Bad skin. Crunchy hair, need a deodorant, flop. <laughs> oh my god, the intro actually being relevant to like the like the, what the podcast is advertised <laughs> as. I never thought I'd see the fucking day. <laughs> anyway, that aside, what bullshit do you want to talk about now? <laughs> I have been having such a nice time on the trains recently. Do you know what I think it was that made Hell me hate traveling? Over. Hell has frozen over. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't the fact that I had to go to Edinburgh every day. It was the fact that I would like get the first train there and then get like a peak train back. Uh-huh. Whereas now I'm like doing this little PhD thing. I'm like I'll go slightly later than I was before, and I'll leave a little bit earlier as well. Sometimes it is just like I kind of wish. 
in the job that previous uh, H&M that I had before, I, I actually just managed my owners. And I was never in danger when I was trying to get to work. But now mm-hmm. I work like a set amount of time and I have to be in South Gale by like such and Crella such a time. coming around the corner in her car. Oh, honestly. <laughs> and folk didn't ken how to drive in Edinburgh period. And folk didn't ken how to drive in the rain. And I only drive when it's raining because I'm like, well, I'm not getting the train and then walking 20 minutes to my work. That's actually shocking. Like I'd go and hang myself when I got there. <laughs> yeah, that must be so bad. I don't know anyone who does that. Uh, like obviously like like it's for skinny people but it's just like just <laughs> <Yeah>. driving <laughs> I hate it I hate it the trains have not been forgiven for me either though now I'm moaning about my commute fuck's sake I know I'm like that's really it's great me. for you Liam I want to come on how the tables have turned I feel so superior right now um, what else did I want to talk about? What have I been doing? Oh, yeah, we went to the vault. Spoiler, this is the 50th episode. Oh, welcome to the Creepy Wee Podcast with Becca and Liam. <laughs> hi, hi. Um, we, we went to the vaults at the weekend, and this episode is going to be about the vaults, and Becca will be taking the lead because she's smarter. Uh, <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> um, I would like to say that we also went with Australian Umfi Megan and on the way there I tried Vegemite for the first time. It hits. I don't know how it's polarizing. Like it's just it's good. I think people it just is... put too much on. Yeah, it is good. That's like Marmite as well. Like you're it is a thin line to be fair that you dance. Yeah. When you use like mar- Marmite and Vegemite, but a little yeah. bit, it goes a long way. But I, I will say, and Megan did disagree with me, Vegemite and Marmite are so similar. Yeah, so she, similar. she was so angry. And I was like, you told me that Iron Brew tastes like creamy soda. So realistically, I don't have to respect your <laughs> stance on Vegemite because you've already stepped over the fucking line. Isn't so like Marmite is like a byproduct to like making like beer and bread and stuff, and then Vegemite. Yeah, so is Vegemite. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, like... but <laughs> I will say texture-wise, the texture is different, and the texture of fucking Marmite—that's the thing that puts me off. It's like bogey texture. Really? When I whenever yeah. I've had it, it's like just. I suppose it d- depends what like temperature it's stored at. This is fucking ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I I am a I am kind of resentful. Like we had to go on the historical tour because I needed background for this episode rather than going on the ghost tour, and I was a wee bit gutted. Was a wee bit gutted that we didn't go on the ghost tour, but it did feel kind of spooky when we were in there. There was one specific room that we went into and I was it, like, oh. And we turned to each other and it's, oh, it's cold in here. We're like, it's fucking haunted in here. I felt like we were getting watched. That's what I felt. Yeah. The tour guide, funniest person in the fucking world, not deliberately. I love, 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 love when tour guides give it, give it, give it, give it. Yeah, like I she wish was I giving... could bring that kind of like like lyrical sing songy talk to the way that I deliver this podcast, but I can't. Eh? Well, it was just the whole delivery was like like a male Disney villain, also just effeminate. I loved it. It was class. 
Yeah. Oh, talking with hands and stuff. I really, I really did enjoy the tour. It was oh, quite yeah, engaging, thought- though. I was hanging on every fucking word because of the way that she was talking. I know, <laughs> like, because normally I just do not pay attention to people, and I'm just looking around the room, like, oh, it's nice in here. I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's quite warm. It was warm. Yeah, I did tell you that it's quite stuffy, didn't there? I know, but that was just so wild. Like that's it was... it being ventilated as well. It's like really hot, humid, stank. Like it's like the smell of left. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> this is another episode. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Edinburgh fucking stinks, and it always fucking has. <laughs> That'll ever change. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! When we were we were on the tour, and there for some reason was a perfor like a performing like like a fire eater, like on the Royal uh-huh. Mile as we were on our tour, and he had like one of the fiery sticks like up his arse, and up we were like, should we start? We should take a break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
During the 17th century, Edinburgh was suffering from major overcrowding. The castle had been built on top of the extinct volcano known as Castle Rock, and then the Royal Mile kind of like flows down for that, and it's also made of this really hard volcanic rock. But that means that basically at either side of the mile, it just basically drops off into large gorges. Yeah. Today we like glacial erosion and stuff. Yeah, she did hard geography. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, after the Battle of Flodden, where Scotland had been totally smashed to smithereens by the English, it was decided yeah. by the Lords of Scotland to build a protective wall for the castle and around the Royal Mile, because the whole city basically just compromised the Royal Mile and the castle at this point. Yeah. So they built the flooding wall around the castle, around the mile, and it had three bits, three large bits of wall, and then a big open bit, which was protected by the Norloch, which was a man-made dammed off loch that was, it's basically in a gorge at the bottom of Castle Rock, mm. which is where the Prince's Street Gardens are now. Essentially, this wall and then being pinned in by the Norloch meant that the city couldn't go anywhere, it couldn't sp- expand any further than the Royal Mile and the wines and closes that were built off of the Royal Mile. So it meant that the only place to go was up. So all these packed tenement buildings that were built in the closes off of the Royal Mile, they would go up to at least eight stories in stone and then a further maybe like up to 14 stories high would be made a wood. Like 14 in total or 14 Four, after 14, the eight? 14, 14 in total. So right. even That's then, because these are like rickety wooden structures that are built on top of the tenements. And if you've ever been to Edinburgh and been doing one of the closes, you can how tight, like how close the buildings on either side are. So imagine if you look up to the sky when you're in, in one of these closes, the rooftops that you can see add another seven stories on top of that a rickety wood that basically would lean in towards each other. Yeah, like the M and the YMCA. Yeah, they'd be like touching each other. It it said that if you were at the top of one of these wooden stories, you would be able to open your window and you could could probably climb through to next door or you could just chat to your neighbour if you wanted to. In these tenements... It's it's kind of like it's it's a bit shit that like it, or the United Kingdom in these tenement houses there would be like fifteen people to a room sometimes twenty like family sharing rooms families up to like twelve people and then another family on top of that would all be sharing one tiny room that is disgusting. <laughs> obviously didn't have any running water and they had no inside plumbing so it would. Which was a case everywhere. It was a case in London and other cities around the UK. Yeah. But in Edinburgh in particular, Edinburgh's a kind of outlier for any city. <laughs> there is no river in Edinburgh city centre. People would <laughs> people would throw their um, <laughs> would throw their waste out of their windows and they would shout Gardelou, which is like a bastardised French way of saying beware of the water or watch your head for the water. And then they would chuck their piss and shit out of their windows and it would land in the street. Now, if enough people piss and shit and threw their buckets, it would run down these closes because they all are on these steep gorges and it would run either down into the Norloch or it would go to the other side 
of the Royal Mile, it would just fill this massive gorge, the Cowgate Gorge. And Edinburgh I'm, fucking stank. <laughs> like, I'm very serious. <laughs> Those closes still, every single one of them reeks a piss every day, every morning. They're letting it linger. <laughs> I, like, it is a case for like mace closes in any major city, like these like tight alleyways and stuff will just stink of piss. But in Edinburgh, it's particularly bad because there is nowhere for it to go. Um, the Rorloch, though, before it was drained, was filled with the city's waste and dead bodies, <sighs> dead cats, dead children, dead <laughs> dogs that nobody wanted. And then if you wanted to murder somebody and you wanted to hide the body, you would just put it in the Rorloch because nobody was oh gone in there to go and get it. And nobody would, uh, they wouldn't find anything until it was time to like properly drain it <laughs> this narrow webby streets and winds and closes is what essentially compromised the city of edinburgh by the 18th the late 18th century edinburgh's community was growing and it was expanding very very fast this is about at the time of the like industrial revolution where populations in major cities are starting to grow and grow and grow also in scotland there's a huge influx of people moving for the highlands to escape the highland clearances and to escape the hunger in Ireland that was caused by the British government at the time. So populations absolutely booming and there's nowhere for them to go. So what is proposed is to fill these gorges that are at either side of the Royal Mile and to create bridges that would connect the flatter areas of Edinburgh to the Royal Mile. And these are known as the North Bridge and the South Bridge, or locally they are just known as the Bridges. The South Bridge was built to span the Cowgate Gorge between High Street, aka the Royal Mile, and the growing University of Edinburgh on the south side. And this was first proposed in 1775, although work did not begin until August 1785. That is so Edinburgh think the trams <laughs> the trams that were supposed to be done in what like 2012 and they're, they're still, still building them up Leith Walk right now <laughs> and this south bridge is essentially how the vaults become part of Edinburgh the south bridge is like actually a viaduct and it has 19 large arches in it but instead of just letting it be an exposed viaduct imagine on either side of these arches just slamming tenements to close these gaps. That's what they did. You can't see the South Bridge. You can see one exposed arch of the South Bridge and it's called the Cowgate Arch. You can go and look at it. But imagine, like, basically they've built entirely around the bridge, which means in these arches there's spaces and they're huge arches and there's space there. And that's the whole point of the, the South Bridge. One... The tenements that were built up around the bridges were used... It was basically to make Edinburgh's first shopping centre. But the yeah. arches on the inside, Edinburgh Council basically wanted the development of this bridge to pay for itself. So they sold these vaults, essentially, that they had made in the arches of the bridge to the people who owned the shops on the outside and above. And that was basically just to make the space useful. The only thing is, though, that when they built this bridge, instead of using a uh, waterproof clay <laughs> to like adhere all the bricks together, they kind of like cut a corner, and they use yeah a similar something clay. that looks like it but doesn't have <laughs> waterproofing. <laughs> yeah, so the the bridge constantly leaks. It still is. They still they still have to repair it. It's kind of like we were talking about this on the weekend. It's kind of like that saying where it's like, oh, it's like painting the fourth bridge, yeah. where. 
the Edinburgh City Council are, they'll develop a quarter of the North Bridge they're doing that right now actually like the closest bit to the St James that half of the North Bridge is being redeveloped because yeah. of the water damage and then they'll move on to the back end of the North Bridge top end of the South Bridge back end of the South Bridge rinse repeat rinse repeat they're going to be fixing this until like <laughs> the bridges needed to come down but they can't <laughs> there's actual no choice they have to just because the city's just built on top of it so there is this exposed arch, but the remaining 18 arches of the bridge are enclosed behind these tenement buildings. And then the vaults are encased inside. In total, there are approximately 120 rooms or vaults beneath the surface of the South Bridge, ranging in sizes for 2 metres squared to 40 metres squared. And then South Bridge officially opened for business on the 1st of March, 1788. The vault rooms were advertised and used as storage space and workshops for South Bridge businesses. And this actually only operated for a short period of time. It's not that short. It's a few years, but it's much shorter than they intended. They intended for this to still be going on right now. And technically it (laughs) still is. We'll get into that. Like, say you were a shoemaker and you needed to like tan leather and cure leather and stuff, you would be doing that in your storeroom in the vaults where there's no natural light, there's no ventilation and all you had was like either towel lamps or fish oil lamps, which fucking stink (laughs) and they didn't create a clean flame. So they create quite a sooty low flame and you would be pissing in a bucket and you would also be working with dirty water that was probably gathered for like one of Edinburgh's dirty wells. <laughs> and you would be working with your children and your wife. How did people, would... like, I, I can't, like, every time I hear about anything that happened in Edinburgh back in the day, I'm like, how how are they still, how is it still going? They <laughs> should all ke- be dead. <laughs> I want like... to end, because, like, I know that London was a shithole. But is there anybody from any city outside of the UK that can tell me, like, in the 1800s, so, like, in the, in the 17th century or the 18th century, was your city an absolute shithole? Or is Edinburgh just, like, actually that bad? <laughs> like, it, it sounds It just always horrific. sounds so much worse. Like, it just, it's so disgusting. Like, they should <laughs> all have, like, died of sepsis. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, the the... People that own the businesses in the on the South Bridge are like, for a few years, they're like, right, <laughs> I tried my best, but I I can't see. I go out in the daylight and I'm blinded by the sun. I fucking stink. It's just no worth it. Look, it's not even worth paying for the space. I'll just use space in my shop to do this or I'll move <laughs> elsewhere. And a lot of them did. A lot of them moved into the new town. The vaults also began to flood. This basically cleared out the rest of the businesses. As we said... The bridge was not sealed properly, so if it pissed the rain, which it quite often does in Edinburgh, like you'd be up to your knees in dank, stinky water, and a lot of people kept animals in the vaults, and you can still smell this. <laughs> oh, like people would keep their cows and their sheep and stuff in the vaults. It so it would, bad. So when it when it, it flooded. It would be foo shit. <laughs> like, it would it's, quite literally be foo shit. <laughs> it's been hundreds of years. It's been hundreds of years and it still smells so bad down there. <laughs> we walk, we like, they've been in ventilating it. <laughs> we walked in and I immediately was like, a cow's been here. A cow's been in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, how is that possible that it can still smell that fucking bad? 
<laughs> when she was like talking about like how one of the things used for like stretching out like the leather and stuff was horse piss. I was like, yup. And it <laughs> yeah. smells like it. <laughs> yeah, so these businesses move to the growing and buzzing city lights in the new town and they're like, fuck this. So that leaves the 120 volts under the South Bridge empty, but not for long. As the Industrial Revolution takes hold, and the Cowgates area developed in a essentially Edinburgh's slum. And quite a lot of the sources that I were always looking at said that the people who moved in, they referred to the people who moved into the vaults and like, let this be known, these are people who can't afford to live anywhere else. They have nowhere else to live. And they're they're poor. They didn't get paid enough. And the the sources, and even Wikipedia as well, but all the all the sources come to the, the like same text. They refer to them as slum dwellers. That's disgusting. That's, that's so slum, nasty. Slum dweller. So these people move into the vaults. A lot of them, like a majority of the the rooms in the vaults are actually used by the destitute Edinburgh to actually have a roof over their heads. But it actually gets to the point where the air quality is so bad, the flooding's so bad that it's not even a good enough place for them and they move it. <laughs> and also, at the same time as these families are living here, there's pubs, and I don't think they can say this on the tour, but this is definitely what I was thinking when I was down there when she was saying that this was likely a tavern space. And I was like, do you mean a brothel? Opium den. It's brothel. a brothel. Brothel. <laughs> it's more, more than likely, yes, there was tavern. Everything like, so was going the, on there. Oh yeah, there were kids. There were kids on the tour. Yeah, I don't think they would have been allowed so they to can't say, say that brothel. I don't think so. In case like, Bern was like, Mum, what's a brothel? <laughs> um but Mum, what's opium? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is pubs on the South Bridge that would use the vaults to either like keep their stock, which fair enough, keep your beer and that in there. Or if the pub was really busy, it would be used as kind of like an overflow space where other people could go. But it's more than likely that these places were brothels and there is evidence to suggest that people were using them, especially in the like Victorian period, as a place to be able to indulge in opium and not be bothered. Yeah. A lot of the sources say that at this point the vaults actually is a renowned red light district and there's countless brothels. Yeah. That kind of outnumber the amount of pubs that are in there. <laughs> Same goes. Conditions are like so bad that like folk didn't want to go down there even fog. So if it's two opium dens and brothels, it's like no hard to imagine that other crimes would have been taking place in the vaults. And it is the perfect place to hide. Quite often if people were like on the rob or they had murdered somebody, they would go and hide in the vaults. And then there's also the fact that loads of people are poor and living in these areas so crime's quite rife it's very likely that people would be attacked and murdered in the vaults mm. there's no evidence to suggest this but like every <laughs> every tour in, in edinburgh lo- loves to say this that and it does kind of line up it does line up with the height of the body snatching era edinburgh that it, yeah it and could... also geographically so the south bridge connects to the university of edinburgh and these places are the perfect place to store something that you didn't want to be found so if you had just gone and robbed one of the many cemeteries at Edinburgh and had a body that you wanted to sell to the university, 
and you needed to keep it hidden for a couple of hours, you would probably go and store it in the vault. So I do not blame them for saying that. It's very likely. But there's no evidence to suggest that Burke and Hare actually used the vaults. But like they weren't the only body snatchers who were yeah. operating in Edinburgh at the time. One of the biggest things that the vaults is known for is illegal whiskey distilleries. And on the Saturday, the 1st of July, 1815, the Edinburgh Evening Current reported that, quote, on the 21st, Inspector Mr. Mackenzie and officers discovered a private distillery of considerable extent under the arch of the South Bridge, which has been working for these past 18 months to great injury of revenue because they can't tax illegal alcohol. The particulars of this seizure are worthy of notice for the great pains which had been taken to prevent disclosure. The original door to the place where the operations were going forward had been carefully built up and plastered over to prevent any appearance of an entrance. And a hidden door, a hidden door for one of the properties above. Wow, very scary. Behind a grate in the fireplace of a bedroom, an opening had been made and fitted with an iron door and lock, exactly fitting the grate, which could only be seen by being removed and this passage led to the flat above by a trap door and ladder where the still is working. This place again was in one of the deaf arches immediately adjoining the middle arch of the bridge. This is actually now the caves venue. If anybody's ever been to the caves in Edinburgh, this illegal distillery was working in the no, caves. Oh wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, because they've put the exact location in which arch it is, so it, it is the caves. So you- <laughs> That's funny. People getting drunk there this very day. <laughs> and the person had found means to convey a pipe from one of the town's branches, which gave a plentiful supply of water. A soil pipe was also got up, and a hole broke through into a neighbouring vent to carry off the smoke. So, like, it was so, so, so well hidden. That's like, so it's an actual miracle that like... they were able to find it. Yeah, the engineering of that, though, as well. That's crazy. Let them have it. <laughs> like, if you've gone to all that trouble, like, I'm sure yeah. it's fine. You know? Bes- <laughs> besides the still, a considerable quantity of wash and some low wines were found in the premises. Also, many casks, mash tun, large tubs, etc. The spirits were said to have been conveyed away in a tin case made to contain two or three gallons, which was again put into a green bag and carried out by a woman under her cloak. Essentially, what I do want to talk about is the fact that this illegal whiskey distillery, and they were also making wine, credit where credit is due, but the reason why Edinburgh Council were so pissed off that there was an illegal whiskey distillery underneath Edinburgh South Bridge is because they couldn't profit off it. And during this point in time, at this point in the 1800s, basically, is when Walter Scott and the king are kind of rubbing arms and making... Highland dress and Highland culture popular again and Mm. the king at this point had actually heard rumours being like I've heard of this drink because whiskey was not popular in the lowlands and in the central belt it was popular in the highlands for hundreds of years maybe I think it's for the like 1600s onwards whiskey was in production in Scotland but in the lowlands it's not really a thing we mainly drank wine because the old alliance there wasn't any taxes on wine we got it imported for free so and obviously Edinburgh's close to the sea North Berwick's close to the sea it made wine drinking in the lowlands very popular the drinky choice in Scotland was red wine but the king in the 1800s is like I've heard rumour pray tell what is this drink and somebody's like uh like they have to talk to millions of people and they eventually get the whiskey 
for the pen <laughs> and he tries it and he loves it and then all the illegal stills that have like that are well connected they go public they pay their taxes whiskey becomes the national drink of scotland scottish whiskey can only be made in scotland and it's highly highly profitable but the ones that are in the vaults they're mere murky criminal enterprises. Moonshine. The whiskey wouldn't the whiskey wouldn't even have been like brown because the way that whiskey's distilled, it's distilled in oak casks that have been yeah. burnt. And it gives it that nice golden rich colour. But the and whiskey this, that was getting made in the vaults, distilled for three days, eighty like sixty to eighty percent proof. It looks like <laughs> pure ethanol because it is. <laughs> <laughs> So these illegal distilleries obviously didn't make the Edinburgh Council any money in a time where whiskey's becoming very, very, very popular. So they get in and they shut it down. And that's kind of like the last things that are ever in the vaults are these illegal distilleries. It's not actually known when the vaults is kind of emptied and closed down. Some sources suggest it was as early as 1835 and others say it is as late as 1875. Written records regarding the vaults during their slum use are virtually non-existent. All that is known is that at some point tons of rubble was dumped into the vaults making them inaccessible. This is interesting. So the vaults were actually rediscovered by a former Scottish rugby international known as Nori Rowan. Now if you're fate Edinburgh you might actually ken Nori Rowan because he's a fucking cunt. Right? So <laughs> he campaigned in I think it's in like the late 90s and early 2000s against a Labour government and he essentially yeah. said a vote for Labour is a vote for a hundred junkies in Edinburgh. And he's, he like had this whole campaign where he was like junkies out and whatever, and he was trying to say that like it's actually like like this is it was very insidious. Like it is, it was so like. First of all, that's not your business, sir. It's he's an actual wanker, and to even call him a Scottish international rugby player is a a bit much because he had he had two or three appearances for the Scottish national team. He's he did play rugby for clubs in Edinburgh and the surrounding yeah. areas. He was a lovely bench warmer. <laughs> um, so Norrie Riven is actually a landlord in the old town of Edinburgh. That was his main gimmick when he was like campaigning against Labour as he essentially yep. said homeless people do not belong in the old town because he was a landlord in the old town and he thought that it would put his property prices down for homeless people to be in the old town. Yep. So Norrie Riven owns property in the old town and one day... He's at one of his pubs or whatever and he's knocking around downstairs and he actually rediscovers the vaults and he buys up loads more property in the old town and he basically discovers several passageways through the vaults and then eventually tells Edinburgh Council, look what I've found, <laughs> like he waited. Well, this is the thing. So you know how you're saying, because I thought about this a lot. And I was mm -hmm. thinking about it from the point of, like, if he had legal adv advice and stuff. Like, see if we don't actually know. Like, we knew the vaults existed, but everyone forgot they existed. But then we don't actually know exactly when they got boarded up, whether it was 75 or whether it was, like, 19, like 1830s. Is yeah. that what you said? Like, like yeah. th if he, was it not, like, the 80s or something, he found the first one? Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 1980s. Yeah, so in the 80s he found the first one. So maybe while he was buying up all this property to make sure he had like majority over like where the vaults were, he was like by biding his time in case, because you know how there's this, the law about like if it's not been touched for, is it 80 years or something? 
Yeah. I think it's like 80 to 100 years of properties not been touched than finders keepers is essentially what they say. He was just making sure no one thought about it until he definitely was sure like that amount of time had elapsed. He's still a massive landlord in Edinburgh so I do think it was a part of that like finders keepers it was like oh I can hang on to these but I also think it was like if these if I can utilise this space I'm going to utilise this space and that is what he's done because obviously like a big part of the south side vaults is owned by his like he rents out to the tour company called Mercat Tours and they do the tours in the vaults but a lot of his pubs use the vaults as space which I'll talk about later but one of the interesting things that I would like to say is that in the 1980s before he like publicly disclosed that he had rediscovered the vaults and that he owned quite a large majority of them Mm -hmm. is that he helped a Romanian rugby player escape the Romanian secret police and they seeked political asylum for weeks in the Edinburgh vaults before the Romanian revolution in 1989, which I think is quite cool. That's very smart. Very, very smart. And that's kind of him to do that, but he's a prick. (laughs) That is so Sherlock Holmes coded. Aye. That's wild. It's actually Nori Ribbon and his son Norman Ribbon that excavate the vaults in the 1990s and hundreds of tons of rubble were removed by hand and several interesting artifacts were discovered including thousands of oyster shells which alludes to the fact that these were used as pubs because they're a staple part of the diet of the working class at Edinburgh and it's a pub snack essentially. Oh, Not like the oyster shell snack between like brothel visits. <laughs> They're not I feel bad. I feel bad for the girls working down there for sure. Probably like the smaller rooms that are in the vaults are more the, the ones that are more likely to be have been used as homes. In these, they found middens, which are essentially it's kind of just like where you bury your trash in a little hole. But they found loads of artifacts, and that's how they're able to like tell. Obviously, because there was nothing on record to say what was a brothel, what was a pub, yada yada, but. Say like looking at what was above and looking at what was below in the ground and in the trash, they were able to essentially just dissect and come up with like different theories for what each room could be used for. And I do think they are actually pretty on the nose, but we'd be remiss <laughs> if we did not talk about the paranormal activity that goes in in the vaults. Ever since the vaults were reopened in the nineteen eighties, they've always had a reputation for strange apparitions and figures lurking in doorways, footsteps resounded in the corridors, voices for nowhere, cold spots, the list goes on. But there is a particular spirit that the tour guides of the vaults call the Watcher because people who visit the vaults hate a constant sensation of being watched for the dark corner behind no them. No way, we had that. <laughs> I, I actually didn't get this until I had like, researched. When you go on a vault tour, which I would implore anybody today, it's very, very interesting, but like you move into the different areas of the vaults and you didn't really fill the room that well. So there is like really, really pitch black corners behind you. And I did get like a creepy sensation on the back of my neck being like, it feels like there's something in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. I got it bad in like the first room where there's like that like iron rail like in the corner behind me i was like oh. i was shitting myself i was shitting myself and we were this isn't the scary too. one <laughs> those who claim to have seen the watcher describe him as a tall imposing man who wears a dirty blue coat and heavy worn out leather boots 
which has led some tour guys to call him Mr. Boots, which he does not <laughs> like. And apparently this antagonises him so bad that like activity does begin to flare up and people feel like they're being touched or pushed or like like they really, yeah. really want to leave where it wasn't happening before. They Sometimes like... it annoys him so much, he decides to join the cast of the TV show Dora the Explorer. <laughs> um, it is said that the spirit has been heard pacing the tunnels and some visitors have even heard him growl the words get out and yeah. in 2009 a BBC TV production team filming a one-off TV special featuring Joe Swash who I think I think he won I'm a celebrity once I don't know what else he's famous for but Was Joe he not Swash oh is that what he's famous for I All think right. so Joe Swash did this like ghost show, and oh, he's he married was... to he's married to Stacey Solomon. He's famous for that too. Oh, Stacey Solomon is well, well more famous than him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's Are famous for being married. Ma- I think so. Did I make that mm. up? Let's be honest. During the special, Swash is the only person who's inside the vaults. The BBC crew are like outside in vans in the street, essentially like reviewing his footage. During the show, they'd recorded unexplained voices in the vaults during an overnight like sleepover that he was doing. Swash was the only person in the vaults and did not hear the voices himself at the time of the recording, despite the sounds being audible on his own microphone. The voices continued to be heard on the recording for 20 minutes. <laughs> i just seen that you were texting me pictures of Joe Swash and Stacey Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, have we hung up? Oh my God, Stop. <laughs> They're they tiny. I just want... They're tiny fucking bloody bitches. <laughs> I literally thought you were texting me to say, I can't fucking hear you or your mic's broken. No. I just, Stop it. More important. <laughs> I can't. I, I'll actually go screenshot this and send it back to you to show you what it looks like. Okay. It looks so bad. Did it look like that on your phone? The two, the first two do. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put that on the story. Anyway. So, the voices that were picked up by the BBC continued to be heard for 20 minutes before they abruptly ceased after what appears to be the sound of children yelling. BBC sound engineers initially thought that the sounds may be explained by voices drifting into the tunnels from the nightclubs nearby, but this was found to be incorrect, and no logical explanation could be found, although they may well have been from weak radio signals being picked up by the BBC microphones. I just think, like, 20 minutes worth of noise abruptly ending after the sound of children screaming. That is so as... That's so any <laughs> recording of this podcast. <laughs> but aye, that's Edinburgh Vaults. Do you think it was used by Burke and Hare? I think it's very likely, actually. I mean, let's sell tickets. Let's say yes. <laughs> I think, I I also think that there's been to be more than one ghost in there. Mary Queen Scots. <laughs> <laughs> no, she haunts the tunnel that runs underneath the Royal Mail. <laughs> Same thing. Same Edinburgh thing. loves to like. Actually, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slate it because I use it as content. <laughs> they love to lie. <laughs> they, love to, they love to lie, and I love to lean in as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But aye, that's been the Creepy Wee Podcast. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the Creepy Wee Podcast. 
we've not been using X, but if you want to follow us there, you can follow us at the Creepy Wee Pod. Yeah. And then for everything else, you can find us at the creepywepodcast.co.uk and please rate us five stars. Thanks. Bye. Lock it, lock it. I, 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 lock it, lock it. Lock I it. thought you were going to sing um, Going Underground by The Jam. It was a tough call, but I thought vaults have keys. I'm stopping it there (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen, premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50-80% to less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.